everybody, and welcome to this week of Sip and Tea. My name is Andy. My name is Mita. Yes. I was genuinely surprised. Like, I forgot it was like an intro. <laughs> I know. I, I always feel awkward in the intro because it's like, in this setting, I'm looking at you. You're looking at me. You right. know my name. I know your name. Why are we introducing ourselves? And it's because of the listeners. All I, three of them. Hey. Hello, everybody. <laughs> well, this week we are going to kick off um, a little bit of our spooky season going into October. So <laughs> this week we're talking about the Brothers Grimm. The Brothers Grimm. The Grimm Brothers? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I always call them the Brothers Grimm because that's like how you say it. <laughs> I don't know. That's how we've always said it, but yeah, I guess it would be the Grim Brothers. <laughs> but then, yeah, it's like interesting to think that, like, at some point there was like an angry neighbor who was like, "Ah, there's those damn Grim Brothers again!" Like, Definitely. eating our sauerkraut. I don't know what they were doing eating our sauerkraut. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So, just to give you some like backstory, a little bit on the Brothers Grim, I thought this was interesting. So okay. I, for some reason, had thought that they were the creators of the tales. Like they they were like the the ones with the fucked up minds that like gave us some really haunting stories. They were the, the forefathers of Stephen King. Yeah. Um, yeah. But actually, they were like philosophers and writers and they got inter- introduced to poetry in uh, when they were going to university, which kind of cool. Um And that's where they got this idea that they did not want the world to forget folklore. They did not want people to forget the stories that were passed down through oral tradition. That makes sense. Absolutely. It's kind of interesting that like somebody like, yeah, it's nowadays it's like, yeah, there's old tales that's they're passed down, you know, storytelling around the fire or whatever. That's just common knowledge. But like at the time, like back in their day, somebody had to like decide that they were going to document these tales. Like that's yeah, that's kind of interesting. And they took it upon themselves, eh? Definitely. <laughs> so, uh, we all know like the modern tales of like some of like their stories, like Hansel and Gretel and Rapunzel, the Frog Prince, Cinderella. But like, what's so crazy? What's up? Snow White, one of them? Yes, Snow White is one okay. of them. I actually did not read the original Snow White. I was like, that's gonna be dark. <laughs> Yeah, it doesn't sound honestly. Even a Disney movie, it's it's dark. I should just entombed in the woods. Like it starts off cold, you know. I don't like it. It really does. <laughs> um, but like, so yeah, the plots have changed so much over the years. They were a lot more violent. They they were more cautionary tales, uh, moral tales, right. if you will. Morality, yeah. Um, and then you have like Disney, who has gone through and like pretty much just sanitized every single one of their stories. <laughs> sanitized it like with bleach because when you start looking at the originals you're like who killed who and ate what now yeah (laughs) it's horrifying the original tales people were demented when they were sitting down around the fire with grandpa like nightmare material could you imagine (laughs) no no like you're sitting down around the fire it's like your nana and your peepaw and you're like you know, there's like a, there's like a candle and it's cold as shit because it's, you know, 16, whatever. And they're talking about like how somebody's neighbor killed them and ate them and 
their body hung from a tree and the sun set and then and there's like a lesson in it somewhere but you're three like nobody should be going to sleep with these demons on the brain (laughs) (laughs) oh what's even interesting though so we see that like you know we have adapted and modernized a lot of these stories but the brothers Grimm actually did that as well so they were um their stories were edited 17 times between 1812 and 1864. Oh, whoa. Okay. Uh, by them, they, they would just change the stories as needed. Um, but with this, you know, it is called (laughs) the children's household tales, but it was actually never meant for children. Um, it, it was actually like, uh, um, like an anthology of folklore to them. It was just like them categor like uh categorically going through and just documenting everything. Okay. That makes sense. Okay. Hmm. Hmm. You might say. <laughs> but then like the church comes through and just ruins everything. So the church ruins everything. Everything fun. <laughs> yeah. So their first um their first book came out and the church was like, whoa y'all ain't Christian. And like at that time, like if you weren't Christian, like you probably would end up dead. Like, yeah, this is, this is a, is this post the Christians being fed to the lions? This is the Christians fucking everybody else up now. They've gone through their, they've gone through their bad parts and now they're fucking it up for everyone else. Yeah. The good old 1800s, you know? (laughs) Uh, Yeah. They were wild, man. uh, (laughs) So the church believed that their stories just weren't Christian enough. So then the brothers began like to slowly like edit the original tales and make them more family friendly. Um, They stripped out a lot of sexual references, which I think that's crazy. Like, it's so crazy to think that there's sexual references in children's stories. Um, Right. Like in Rapunzel, so everybody knows Rapunzel was stolen by an evil witch and she's held captive in the woods. Um, at one point in time, a, a little prince came through and, uh, you know, snuck up into the tower and apparently had some romantic relations with Rapunzel because <laughs> the how the witch found out that she had a male suitor was because she was pregnant. <laughs> and she ain't nobody's. Jeez, her baby ain't Jesus, so no, absolutely not. <laughs> so and it's also really interesting, like okay, so like the church sanitized the story and removes like the sexual innuendo and in the story about Rapunzel being pregnant. Yeah, but at that time in the real world, if Rapunzel was like a 15, 16 year old kid, she would have probably already had a couple of children, or at least not a couple of pregnancies under her belt. This is a time where people mm-hmm. weren't waiting till twenty five like settle down with their career and their college degree. This was like, we're dead at 28. So we're, we're having children at 15. Truly. Which sounds horrible. Horrible. Um, No, absolutely. That your life expectancy was a lot shorter back then. So you would naturally start, you know, uh, doing other things earlier in life. Doing what it do. (laughs) Doing what it do. Um, So yeah, so they, they eventually cut out like, any reference to premarital sex and like all their stories, like at like just later on down the road. Um, But then what we see is like, as like the immodest, like the immodest uh, material, Mm -hmm. if you will, um, gets cut out, like the violence intensifies. 
Hey, man, it's like making a good meal. If you're going to cut the fat, you got to increase the sugar or the salt. If you're going to cut the sweetness, you got to add more fat. Like, it doesn't make it healthy just to remove something. You got to double down on something else. So if you're going to take out the sexing, you're going to you're going to murder some children. That's what you're going to do. Absolutely. Because uh, they they essentially then focused on like quote unquote, like punishing like the evil villain in the story, which um, in the old stories, the villain would win, which is, I mean, well, what did you say? What did you say? Nice guys finish last or something. Good guys finish last. Oh yeah. Everybody knows that nice guys finish last. Oh, what were we talking about? I don't know. I feel like you were high. So it was, (laughs) this is is usually the case. Oh my gosh. But yeah, so with that, let's uh deep dive into like a couple of our favorite uh grim stories here. All right. Do you want to go first? It's up to you, man. I'll let um I'll let you go first. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'll keep I'll, Oh man, you guys. The juniper tree. Let's talk about it. What a tale. All right, so <clears throat> I'm just going to pop, I'm just going to come, I'm just going to tell y'all, like, I try to give a, a quick overview of what this tale is about, because it is a lot. It's a lot to take in. There's a lot <laughs> happening. There's murder. There's intrigue. There's, like, reincarnation. Let's go. So the original, <laughs> so the original tale, the, the Juniper Tree, was actually told to the, the Grimm brothers by a painter, um, or, yeah, a painter by the name of Philip Otto I'm going to say Rungi. Okay. I'm going to say okay. his name is Rungi. Um, and he was alive between 1777 and 1810. Okay. So this tale is around that time, like this late 1700s. Um, and so the juniper tree. All right. Cold open. Germany, right? Fucking winter. <laughs> cold. So cold. cold. So cold. Snow on the ground. And you've got a husband and wife. They're extremely wealthy, like, very, very wealthy okay. people. They got a big ass house. They've got this nice little courtyard. And in the middle of the courtyard, there's this beautiful juniper tree. Those are the and ones that you usually need to be taught a lesson. The ones with money. Like they're the ones. Yeah. There's so many lessons to be learned about. Like rich people are terrible. So <laughs> this husband and wife are together. They got this big ass house, all this property. Classic, you know, 1700s. The husband is the one who brings all the money home. The wife is at home all day. So rich, wealthy woman, she's like, I ain't got nothing to do. I want some children. So they try and try and try and try and try. No babies. Then she's like, sweet Jesus in heaven. I need to have like babies. I need babies. So she's praying, 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 praying. Never has no children. Okay. That's kind of sad. It's kind of sad, right? That's the cold open on the story. It does not get better. So then (laughs) it's winter. Snow on the ground. Cold. Fucking cold. Wife is walking around the house. I'm guessing the husband's at work. She's eating an apple. Bitch loves apples. They love apples in Germany. The story is Heavy with apples. So she's walking around. She's eating an apple. I'm assuming she's carrying, like, she's eating an apple with a knife, which is how I eat an apple, because you got to, like, slice it off like a dainty lady. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So I eat apples. So she sees the juniper tree, and she's like, I'm going to go eat this apple outside. Don't know why. So she goes outside. She's walking through the snow. She's eating an apple. She's sitting under the tree, and she's like, oh, man, I'm so sad. I don't have a baby, but this apple is delicious. She cuts herself. A little bit of blood hits the snow. Pure red blood. Pure white snow. And then, quote, she says, quote, if I only had a child as red as blood and as white as snow. Huh. Not a, these are not good things. I don't no. like a child that's blood red and white. If you mix them, they're just pink. 
But then I picture like a like a child that's like a swirl of perfect red and perfect white. And that's yeah. not what humans look like. Yeah. That's not what humans look like. So anyway, she makes this declaration while standing under the juniper tree. And, is, and immediately when she says that, she like feels good. Like she's got a little pep in her step. Her mood is lifted. So then kick in time traveling, like uh, like a time montage, if you will. So we're uh-huh. going through the season. So starts melting, the grass starts growing, the flowers are popping up, you've got daisies, you've got orchids, you've got, I don't know, Jeremy. the trees are getting bigger, the fruit is getting out there, and then it starts to ripen, and da 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 Anyway, quote from the story. And after the seventh month, she picked up the juniper berries and ate them greedily. Then she grew sick and sorrowful. Then the eighth month passed, and she called her husband to her and cried. She said, if I die, bury me under the juniper tree. And then she was quite comfortable and happy after that. In the next month, she has a child as white as snow and as red as blood. And when she sees this baby, she's so happy that she dies. The fuck? (laughs) So she, like, eats all the tree berries, gets Mm -hmm. sick, has a baby. And now she dies because she's so happy she finally gets her baby. So then the husband is now a single father who probably did not want to be a single father. No, nobody in the hundreds no man is like mm. i gotta go work a full-time job and take care of this baby this is not the setup yeah but then he's all sad and he's like i lost my wife but i got my son i lost my wife but i got my son pretty cool so then he goes out and buries the wife under the tree as soon as the wife is in the ground he's like well feeling good feeling lifted my spirit is like i'm just i'm a happy positive person i'm gonna go raise my weird looking baby so then yeah. over time <laughs> one thing that we'll stress in the story which might tie into the whole christian part over time he ends up remarrying Okay. Like, it wouldn't let him be a single dad, I guess. It's <laughs> the vibe I get. So he ends up remarrying this woman. The woman uh, gives birth to a daughter. So now they have the older son, the little sister. I'm assuming years go by because the kids are talking and running around and all kinds of rambunctiousness. Anyway, okay. so the mom does not like her stepson. Like, the new wife does not like her stepson. And the way I picture it in my head, because I'm very literal, it's probably because he looks like a little Satan baby. He's all red and white and, like, He's like Hellboy. She gave birth to Hellboy. I'm pretty sure the mom's not so happy about that. I'm wondering, just really quick, I'm wondering if uh-huh. if that description, if that was like a metaphor for like what babies look like after they're born. Because they're like they're, you know, pale white, but then they're like covered in blood. Like, so I'm wondering if that was like the like the symbolism or like what she was going through. Like she wanted to give birth to a child. That would make sense in like an old timey tale, but mm-hmm. in Mita's mind, things are very little. <laughs> she has a help. So, so the stepmom is like classic evil stepmom, where she only loves her daughter, doesn't much care for the stepson because he looks like Hellboy. Um, and so she's like, ah, over time she loves, she learns to hate the son. She grows to hate the son, and she blames this hatred on what she calls the evil one, which is bullshit, Karen. You don't like your stepchild because you're an evil bitch, not because you have demons, but I digress. Right, like, he's not the so, Antichrist. He doesn't have, like, 666 tattooed behind his ear. Right? Like, calm. I mean, he might if he looks like Hellboy, but... I don't know. In my head, Hellboy's running around. But also, come to find out, part of the reason she doesn't like the kid is because her daughter's going to get cut out of the inheritance because he's the firstborn son, and she's a gold digger, and she's like, if I'm with this man raising Hellboy, my baby's getting sliced. That's the way I interpret the story in my head. Come with me now. So, one day... <laughs> The daughter comes in and she's like, yo, ma, hook it up on that apple. And then the mom was like, yeah, go upstairs. We've got a chest, a heavy chest. 
a giant metal bin for some reason that's extremely heavy and it's full of apples. So you go out up there, little girl, go ahead and get you an apple. So the daughter's like, well, what about big bro? Like, can I get big bro an apple? And the mom was like, actually, you know what? Fuck it. Don't get an apple. Wait until your brother gets home. Don't know why. This is how the story goes. Follow me. So then the brother gets home. Mom's pissed. She's like, what the fuck are you doing at the house? But also, do you want a goddamn apple? And then the son's like, yo, check your attitude. Don't know why you're mad at me, but I'll straight up tear me up. This is my house. What you got? This is my house, first of all. I was here first. But he was like, what kind of apple? You got some Fuji. You got some white. You got some Granny Smith. Are we rocking a red delicious? Golden and she's crisp. Like, Something, right? There's options. So then the mom's like, go on upstairs. Go on ahead and get you an apple out of that little chest or whatever. And then she goes up there. And I guess his existence really just pissed her off because he goes on in this metal chest trying to get an apple or whatever. And the mom takes the lid and just slams it on his head, decapitates the child. The baby Hellboy is dead. His head has been removed from his body. This dark. is a fucked up tale. It's got dark. <laughs> so dark. So then the mom, the stepmom, quit thinking. She's like, yo, can't just have a dead body hanging out here. So she goes into her drawer. She gets a silk white scarf because hello money. And she plops the head on top of the head hole and she wraps it in a white scarf. And then she like leans him against the wall in the living room and puts an apple in his hand. And I was like, sis, what are you doing? keep following me. So then the little girl comes home, I guess, or she's like, hey, um, I just saw my brother in the living room and I was like, yo, what's up with the apple? But he was ignoring me. And the mom was like, you know what? He's being a little bitch. Go out there and tell him to give you that apple. And if he gives you any lip, you can fight your brother. I don't even care. So then the little girl, not knowing that her little brother has been decapitated and his body is propped up in the living room, goes out there and she's like, yo, big bro, hook it up on the apple front. And of course he's dead. So there is no response. So she slaps him in the head and it comes off the body. Now pause, because in my head, if I'm a child who just went to go pick on my brother and his head popped off, I'm officially traumatized. I will not recover. I just killed a man. A head rolled across the floor. Hellboy is dead. How mighty do you think your hands are to where like you slap somebody upside the head and like their head just falls right? off? And like in my head, I picture it's like a like a six year old girl, like an eight year old boy. So like she's fucking traumatized so anyway she like comes back in the kitchen she's like ma the fuck his head came off and mom's like calm down go outside this is really messed up but i'll take care of it we'll figure this out right so then little girl disappears for a minute mom decides how do you hide a body you got to chop it up now (laughs) in my head this is probably the most fucked up part of the story because you have to imagine a woman cutting up a body but Mm -hmm. then what does she do she puts it in the stew so she chops up the body puts it in the stew Long story short, the dad comes home. He's like, where's my son? She's like, oh, he went off with some other family member from your dead wife. He's gone now. The dad was like, he should have said bye, but that's cool. I'm going to eat some stew. Sits down. The, the daughter is crying, cannot stop crying. And the mom is like, got the shakes. She's having like a psychotic break. And the yeah, dad yeah, is like, yeah. yo, this stew is delicious. Yeah. <laughs> he's tearing it up. He is tearing up the stew. So no. to the point where he's like, He's like, yo, go get me another thing of stew. Now, keep in mind, this whole time he's eating the stew, he's taking out bones. He's eating like he's eating the meat off the bones. And then he's just piling the bones under the di- the dining table that he's sitting at. So he's just like, hmm, there's good beef and throwing the bones down. I got to keep going because I have so many questions. So then after he's done eating all of the stew, like uh-huh. did not share with his family because it tasted so good. The stew was so good. The daughter goes upstairs to her chest of drawers or whatever, and she grabs a silk scarf because, again, these ladies have money. And she collects all of her brother's bones, 
puts them in a silk scarf, ties them up in like a hobo satchel and puts them out and buries them at the root of the juniper tree. The whole time the daughter is like crying, gathering bones and like going out, out in the yard or whatever. And the dad's like, damn, that's good soup. Like he just cannot shut up about the stew. Mm-hmm. And the mom is just having a psychological break. This tale is twisted. As soon as the daughter buries the bones, she feels great. I mean, just a weight has been lifted. She like skips into the house. She's like, yay, everything's great. And then, you know, while she's in the house or whatever, magic happens. And there's like fireworks and glitter and smoke. And then all of a sudden the bones are gone, but a bird takes off and like flies away from the tree. All right. Follow me now because the bird's going on an adventure. So the first stop that the bird makes is he goes to the goldsmith's house. And he starts to sing a song. And I'm going to sing this song once. I'm not going to sing it. I'm going to read this song (laughs) once. And then then we'll go on the tale. So the bird lands at the goldsmith's house and he sings this song. My mother, she killed me. My father, he ate me. My sister, Marlene, gathered all my bones, tied them in the silken scarf, laid them beneath the juniper tree. Tweet, tweet. What a beautiful bird am I? That's the song. That's the whole song. Tweet, tweet. What a beautiful bird am I? So he goes to the goldsmith. Goldsmith's like, damn, that's a cool song. This bird got a really nice song. He's in there like melting stuff. I don't know what goldsmiths do. So he goes outside and he's like, hey, bird, hit me with that song again. And the bird is like, ha ha, joke's on you. I don't sing the same song twice for free. You got to give me something. So the goldsmith is like, yo, I'm going to give you this gold chain. The bird's like, peep this, sings the song again, flies off. The next stop is he goes to the shoemaker, does the exact same thing, sings the song. Shoemaker's like, yo, that song is lit. Can you sing it again? He's like, I don't sing for free. Shoemaker gives him a pair of red shoes. <laughs> so then the bird flies off. Then he goes to the mill house where they mill all the flowers and stuff and mm-hmm. does the exact same thing. And in return, he ends up getting a millstone. So now he's got a gold chain, a pair of red shoes, and a millstone. He flies back to the juniper tree. He lands out there inside utter fucking chaos. The mom is having a psychological break. The daughter starts crying again. She's not doing well, even though she's buried the bones. And the dad is just like, that stew was delicious, but like, I might have a bit of a tum-tum hurt her. So like something was in the stew. We got to figure this out. So then the bird comes back. He's singing the song. My mother killed me. My father, he ate me. My sister buried the bones. Tweet, tweet, pretty bird. So then the dad's like, that's a cool song, which in my head, I'm like, you're not concerned about he says, my sister Marlene, like, that's your daughter's name. Like, yeah. you, sh- you should know songs about you. My father, he ate me. Who's the dad? But that's just me. That's just me. So then the dad goes out, listens to the song. He's like, this song is lit. And then the bird is like, here, have a gold chain. And so the dad, like, comes in and he's like, not only did that bird lift my spirits and I heard a beautiful song, but I got this nifty chain. So then the daughter runs outside. She's all sad, sings a song, comes back in. She's like, yo, song's lit. Got a pair of red shoes. I feel much better. My spirits are lifted. So then the mom's like, I can't take this shit no more. She runs outside and then she's crushed by the millstone and she immediately dies. Yeah. <laughs> I fucking love, I fucking love this tale. So then I'll leave you with the last line, the last like paragraph, last lines of the entire story. Okay. The father and Marlene heard a sound and they went out oak flames and fire were rising from the place where the mother was crushed and when that was over the little brother was standing there and he took his father and marlene by the hand and all three were very happy and they went into the house sat down at the table and ate the end so the so the 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 brother comes back to life in the end by like sacrificing the stepmom <laughs> 
you could call it a sacrifice. I would call it cold-blooded murder. But yeah, she she died at the tree, and then literally the sun pops back up. Like everything's fine. I didn't move in with Uncle such and such. Let's go eat. Even though the dad just ate all of his stew, it's a complicated story. But that's it. That's a tale of uh, what goes around comes around, my friend. Right. So just briefly, I'll dip a toe into some of the symbolism um, because the main one that I that I found online uh, from writingcooperative.com is the Christian symbolism. So it's really fun that you were talking about how the church took everything over. So even though this is obviously a tale that the church never sanitized or white or like lightened up, it's very dark. Um, you have the temptation of apples. You have the father consuming the flesh of the son, mm-hmm. and you have the literal resurrection of the okay. son at the end of the tale. Um, and then also you have the the image of the evil one that the stepmother referenced to when she was having bad thoughts and then eventually decapitated her stepson. Mm-hmm. So Christian symbolism is actually pretty strong in this tale. And then um, two of the big take- takeaways are that the heroes are the father and the son because they're literally the same person. So it's kind of like the father, the son, and the Holy Spirit. The dad literally eats the son. So they're literally the same person and they're both the heroes, which is like the boys are good. And then the opponents or the bad people are both the women, the daughter and the mother. Now the daughter not as bad as the mother, but the mom is obviously murderous. She's she's full, she's just abusing children, da da. And then the daughter, I mean a bit of an asshole. Her 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 decapitated brother didn't give her an apple, so she slapped him in the face and then knocked his head off. Like she's a bit of a bitch. So <laughs> so it's an interesting. It's an interesting tale how the men are always the heroes and the women are the villains. But yeah, the juniper tree, get into it. It's a twisted tale. Interesting. Very interesting. I liked it. That's a fun, that's a fun story. Filled with <laughs> murder and rage. Um, Why is your apple chest made with guillotines? Truly. <laughs> And the fact that, like, you just hated this little boy so much over money. Greed makes you do crazy stuff. Right. That you just felt the need to just, like, hit him. Merc. You murked that baby. You did. She murdered Hellboy. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) No. So, interesting. So, you you focused on a story where, um, you know, the, the men were the... Um, protagonists and then the females were the antagonists. Right. Um, my story actually, it's kind of the opposite. So the I have a story here called the Seven Ravens. So very briefly, uh, history about this one. This one is actually um, a story that they got from Greece. Okay. Or no, not Greece, Rome. Sorry, we had some Roman <laughs> mythology dipped in here. So what gotcha. was what was interesting is when they went and they they got this tale, um, they obviously brought it back to Germany and they had to change the some of the details about it because one, <clears throat> you know, us folks here in Germany, we don't we don't believe in your like pagan gods. So right. Right. no. <laughs> um, <laughs> But then what was interesting, so this one actually comes, this story actually comes from um, one of their, it was the final edit of their book. So I would, I'm actually interested to see, um, I didn't find much information, but if the first edition, if they did keep, you know, the, the other gods and stuff, but then when the Christian church wanted them to clean it up and make it more Christian, (laughs) they changed the words. Um, so 
there's a man and he had seven sons. Um, even though his wife gave him these, you know, beautiful children and he was so blessed and they were very fertile, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> he really longed for a daughter. He wanted he wanted a baby girl. So wife finally gets pregnant again and when the baby's born they they rejoice because it's a, it's a finally they have a they have a daughter. However, when the daughter's born, they actually find that she's actually very sickly and very weak. So <sighs> how it goes. Um, short after her birth, they decided, uh, you know, things weren't looking good. They thought, you know, she was going to uh, <laughs> she was going to die shortly after birth. So they, they called for an emergency baptism, essentially. Um, and with that, he the father sent one of the boys to run quickly to the well and get some water for this baptism. Um Boys being little assholes, you know, they they wanted to be uh, competitive with it. And they all raced to the well as quickly as they could because they wanted to be the one to get the water from the well. Gotcha. Well, it with with that, they they get to the well. There's like a struggle amongst the boys and um, they accidentally drop the the bucket into the bottom of the well. Oh, so. No. <laughs> Um, so with that, they, they have to return back to their father and tell them like, yo, dad, we fucked up. So they didn't know what to do. They decided, you know what? Fuck this. We're not going home. We're just gonna, we're just gonna be out here. And like, exactly. They were scared (laughs) of the dad, right? Like they were like, nah, bro. (laughs) So. When they didn't return, the father grew really impatient and they, he said they have forgotten what they went after because they are playing those godless boys. Fearing that the girl would die without being baptized, he cried out in anger. I wish that those boys would all turn into ravens, which is like a weird thing to wow. like just curse the heavens, you know? Right. And also curse your children. <laughs> Truly. So... He had hardly spoken these words, and when he heard a whirring sound above his head and looking up, he saw seven coal black ravens flying up and away. So Dark. as much as they tried, the parents could not t- could not take back the curse. And however sad they were at the loss of their seven sons, they were still what somewhat comforted because of their dear little daughter, who soon gained strength and became more beautiful with each passing day. Aww. For a long time, she did not know what uh, she did not even know. She didn't even know that she had brothers. Like they kept the brothers like a secret. Because right. what are you gonna tell her? Like, oh, you see those birds being really fucking weird outside? That's your brother Joseph. Like, no, I'm three. What are you talking about? <laughs> However, one day she accidentally overheard some people talking about her. They said that she was beautiful enough, but that in the truth she was to blame for her seven brothers' misfortune. Whoa. So she was, people put the blame on her, which that's fucked up. She was just a baby. She was literally a dying baby when all that shit popped off. We need to be talking about the father. (laughs) Truly. (laughs) So this troubled her greatly. And she went to her father and mother and asked them if she indeed had ever had brothers. And if, if so, like, whoa, where are they? Like where the, what they're not here. Did you like ship them? This house is very empty. Seven is a lot. Where are these boys? So much. Eight children? No. So her parents can no longer keep that secret. So they ended up 
telling her that it was heaven's fate, quote unquote, and that her birth had been only the uh, the had. Whoa, I don't like. Okay, sorry. This so this story is translated from German into English. So the the syntax is like a little off like the the cadence of the sentence is a little off um so let's see here but said that it had been heaven's fate and that her birth had been only the innocent cause so essentially they're like you are the reason (laughs) no (laughs) absolutely not but okay so you know, she's dealing with like all this grief of like, wow, I'm like such a terrible person. Like I doomed my brothers to this horrible fate because I was born sick. Damn. Right. So- <laughs> like, you just stop because I was born. Damn. <laughs> Fucked it up for everybody. So she she soon came to believe that she had to redeem her brother's life. Um so she had neither rest nor peace until she secretly set forth and went out into the wide world, hoping to find her brothers and to set them free, whatever it might cost. She took nothing with her but a little ring as a remembrance from her parents, a loaf of bread for hunger, a little jug of water for thirst, and a little chair for when she got tired. Oh, not a little thing of water and a little chair. <laughs> well, she's a little, she's a baby. <laughs> Like, I I imagine she like I imagine she's probably like if she was old enough to be like wandering around the town and stuff. I imagine she's probably like nine or ten at this point, like old enough to cause trouble. Yeah. 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 Old enough to hate. I think is is that the age where you can decide that you hate someone. True. Ooh, this little bastard is nine years old. And I can tell you truly after nine years, don't like him. (laughs) So she walked on and on far far to the end of the world she came to the sun but it was too hot and terrible and the sun was known to eat little children dark so she hurried away (laughs) and ran to the moon but it was much too cold and also frightening and wicked and when it saw the child it said i smell fresh human flesh you know (laughs) i guess Oh, wow. So then she hurried away and she came to the stars and they were friendly and good to her. Each one sitting on its own little chair. When the morning star rose, it gave her a chicken bone and said, without that chicken bone, you cannot open the glass mountain and your brothers are inside the glass mountain. So the girl took the bone, wrapped it up well in a cloth and went on her way until she came to the glass mountain. The door was locked and she started to take out the chicken bone. But when she opened up the cloth, it was empty. She had lost the gift of the good stars. Fucking children. Children. They're always messing stuff up. Whatever could I do? I need to get inside this glass mountain to save my brothers. So. Boy. Coming to the realization she had lost the key to the glass mountain. This good little sister took out a knife and cut off one of her little fingers and put it into the door. And fortunately, the door opened. Could you imagine if the door was like, um, this is meat finger. Yeah. (laughs) We want chicken. We want chicken. (laughs) This has got meat on it. (laughs) Right. Well, that's just it, right? Because like, I imagine the chicken bone was like bare. Like it didn't have... It has to be like a well-eaten chicken wing. Like, you know that friend who knows how to clean a bone? Yeah. You're like, yeah, that's the bone you had. That clean bone. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
This is like this has human flesh on it. This is a meaty digit and it's still bleeding. It's, I don't think that it's still warm. <laughs> <laughs> so Haunting. right. So <clears throat> door open and she went inside and she came across a little dwarf dwarf. And they said, my child, what are you looking for? And she said, I'm looking for my brothers, the seven ravens. The dwarf said, the Lord ravens are not at home, but if you want to wait here until they return, step inside. Then the dwarf carried in the raven's dinner on seven little plates and in seven little cups. The sister ate a little bit from each plate and took a little sip from each cup. Into the last cup, she dropped the ring that she had brought with her. Suddenly, she heard a whirring and rushing sound in the air, and the dwarf said, The Lord Ravens are flying home now. They came, wanted to eat and drink, and looked for their plates and cups. The one after the other of them said, Who has been eating from my plate? Who has been drinking from my cup? It was a human mouth. When the seventh brother came to the bottom of his cup, the ring rolled towards him. Looking at it, he saw that it was a ring from their father and mother and said, God grant that our sister might be here. Then we would be set free. The girl was listening from behind the door. And when she heard this wish, she came forth. The ravens were then restored to their human forms again. They hugged and kissed one another and went home happily. Fun? (laughs) Fun question mark? We didn't ask no questions about like, hey, yo, sis, where's that finger? Like, I see you're bleeding out onto our onto our plates and stuff like. I'm guessing she took the cloth that she originally wrapped the chicken boat in and like those wounds. You're right. You're right. That's probably what happened. (laughs) Otherwise, the gangrene is that again. What a tale. These tales are dark. It really is like old folklore, especially your like. It's very dark. It's it's fascinating so dark. though. It is. It's it's interesting to see like what was told to people and what was being passed down. And we'll never know the original story. We'll never know what was the what was the first thing that what was the first version of the story. And that's crazy to me. And that's why I think folklore is so cool because it, it kind of does get passed down through generations and generations and it gets manipulated and twisted and turned in different ways. Yeah. And it's fun. It's a fun time for everybody. You can, you can see, you can, even in hearing the stories today, you can hear some of the, some of the roots. You're like, okay. So like, even in telling that story, you were like, Oh, I wonder what characters, like what, uh, Roman gods and goddesses and it's like okay you got the sun you got the stars you got the moon like those were obviously like characters and gods that were probably originally written into that tale Mm -hmm. and I bet there was some really interesting monologues from the god of the sun and the god Mm -hmm. of the moon and the gods of the stars like I'm pretty sure there was some really interesting tales there that we'll never know because they were removed because the church pretty sure the moon I'm I think the moon um if I remember correctly she had to cross the river Styx so I imagine it was Hades that she probably had to talk to yeah. yeah, but yeah, real, real, real shady boots here. <laughs> also, she wrapped up the chicken bone so neatly. There's a part of me that's like, where did it go? I feel like they set her up for a digit removal. Right. Truly. Like <laughs> it was a disappearing chicken bone. Don't trust the stars. Truly. I think so. I think they they had some fun with you. Um, I think they were messing with had to happen because it sounded like she put it away carefully but maybe that's just my interpretation definitely so (laughs) last thing to kind of like round this off um when you when doing this research and you find out that you know all of their stories had been um 
kind of whitewashed for Christianity. Uh, um, do you think that if they had not been like transformed for the Christian church, they would, we would even know who they were or what their stories were? There's a part of me that, that thinks no. Yeah. I, or, or it would be something that would have been discovered really, really late. Like almost like how they discovered like the ancient Egyptian tombs and stuff. Mm-hmm. It would have been something that was like buried underground. Nobody, even if the Grimm brothers, the brothers Grimm did collect all these tales and wrote it all down and they had it in notebooks in their attic or something. I feel like it's something that wouldn't have been told for the past couple hundred years. It's something that we would have discovered in like 1960 in somebody's basement and been Definitely. like, what the fuck are all these notebooks? I think that the church because they were so powerful at the time and still kind of are, they were like, if you sanitize this down, you'll be a big star. But if you keep it gross, well, it'll never see the light of day. Yeah, definitely. Part of me that thinks they would think that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a very, it's very possible, right? Like if you think about it, like if they had, if they had defied them, they probably would have gotten shunned from whatever part of Germany right. they lived in. And then I almost wonder if publishing and mm-hmm. media. Yeah. And then I almost wonder if, like, would their book have just been absorbed into, like, the library at the Vatican and, like, never seen the light of day? Literally never seen again. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Crazy. Interesting. It's such an interesting... It's. I'm glad, I'm glad in a way that they did sanitize it, and we still have some reference to some of their darker stuff, because the Juniper Tree was not sanitized. Highly recommend you guys read it. It's no. haunting. <laughs> not sanitized at all. It was... That's okay. a... That's a nitty gritty story, and I'm here for it. I loved every yeah, second uh, of it. Well, and and like you said, like trans, uh, you were reading, we're reading the translations from German to English. Mm-hmm. But there's a part of me that's like, I'm pretty sure the way that this was written in just like old folkloric German or whatever. I'm pretty sure these were beautiful tales. I bet the mm-hmm. descriptions were really beautiful. I bet the song that like the bird sang, the juniper tree. I bet it was actually a beautiful song that actually rhymed. But yeah. in English, it's like. My mother, she killed me. My father, he ate me. Like, it's not pretty. But I bet yeah. in German, it would have just been beautiful. So I, I wonder if, like, um, maybe some of it's lost to translation, too. Definitely. Yeah, that's that's yeah. a good point to make, too, is that when anything gets translated, we lose we lose pieces of it as it gets you passed lose, through. You lose the stankiness of the original, mm-hmm. the original language. well um i forget who is it but one of the late night shows they always do that where they um translate a song into like bulgarian and then they'll translate it back to english and it's so funny to see like how much changes with just like literally being translated into you know a foreign language and then back to its native language and how fucked up it gets how how twisted around it gets yeah so I mean, honestly, t- like taking that into account, and then knowing how the like how the the church sanitized everything, I gotta say the brothers Grimm are pretty pretty amazing storytellers. And honestly, they were doing the Lord's work by documenting all of these folkloric tales. Truly, so it many, was fantastic. All of it. It's really cool. Yeah, I want to read. I want to. I want to see if I can get the book and just read some of the tales like as close to the original as possible because it, it's fun. <laughs> right. Like, I want to buy like the. F- um, not like the first edition, but like a copy of like a copy of like the first edition of the stories, just so right. I can like see what the Catholic ch- or the Christian Christian Church was all up in arms about. 
Right. And also like, well, and that's also kind of cool too, right? So it's modern times 2020. If you're not a big reader, hit it up on Audible. I wouldn't be surprised if there was like some beautiful operatic singer or somebody or or maybe somebody who translates it back to German or something. Like they, they, they add a little funk to it and then you can listen to it on Audible. I bet those tales would come to life with like some character actors and stuff. That'd Truly. Definitely. I got ideas, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right, everybody. Well, this has been Sippin' Tea. My name is Andy, and you can follow me on Instagram at MVP Andy. And my name is Mita. You can follow me on Instagram at MyCoPlants. Yeah, buddy. And you can follow our show on all social media, Sipping Tea 303. And please subscribe to the show on your favorite listening platform. And if you could, drop us a rate, leave a comment, let us know. That lets us know that you guys are listening. And yeah, just hit the subscribe button so you'll be notified when things get posted. Woo! Woo. Join us on this journey of nonsense. (laughs) Absolutely. All right, bye, everybody. (laughs) Bye-bye.